5 through 12. We have a 5th and 6th grade group and a 7th through 12th grade group that you can join your leaders over there. Um, it's been a unique week, hasn't it? Uh, I am uh, glad that it's Sunday. Uh, it's good to be in church this morning. It's good to be able to come together. I know there's lots of thoughts, lots of opinions out there. Uh, many of us have been letting them known on the social media platforms um, or in our conversations and struggling this week, but uh, we are reminded. Um, I'll be honest with you, moving into uh, Tuesday, I was lacking a lot of clarity, a lot of certainty, and and I uh, hope that we all got out and voted. However you voted, I'm, I'm good with that. I'm glad that you got out there. Uh, and I hope you voted in the most Christ-centered, spirit-led, informed way that you could. And, and uh, we've got people who voted all kinds of ways in here, I'm sure. Um, but after Tuesday, when I woke up Wednesday, there was a sense of clarity because uh, God has told us uh, what to do in the wake of the election. He's told us to pray for our leaders. Uh, I hope... First and foremost, that this church will be a place of refuge where we look to the only true hope that we have. I also hope that we will be a house of prayer uh, where we speak not just to other people, but that we speak to God and we lay our concerns, we, we, we lay our hopes, our dreams all before him, and that we pray for our leaders. And then I hope that we will be a, a people of action where we can't always change systems, we can't always change governments, but uh, God uh, has given us a hope. And he's given us plenty of opportunity to, uh, even more so opportunity this week to go out and share that hope, has he not? Because uh, we are people of hope. So uh, let's get out and let's do that. Uh, I'm glad that we're in church this morning. Um, you know what makes church so special? Um, number one is that uh, Jesus is present here. Jesus is present in the midst of his people. That makes a church an amazing, wonderful place to be. Another thing that makes it amazing is that you are here. And I'm so glad that you're here. And we've got people from all different backgrounds, all different places coming together. Just glad that you're here this morning. But also what makes it special is the people that you bring to be here, to hear a message of hope in the midst of a world that is often hopeless. And so I do hope that you'll take those invites, look at that invite and see that you have been invited, and then go ahead and share that with someone. You know, we don't just hope to invite people. It's kind of like, if I, here, I drop this on your door and maybe you can come join us. Really what we like to be about is a bringing people with us, making kind of a, uh, an event about it. You know, go grab coffee beforehand, say to somebody, hey, hey you, do you want to come with me to church? I mean, you know what the stats say is that 90% of people that are invited to come with somebody to church actually would come. And, and so, um, like Jake said, you know, don't be worried about handing out that invite. Just see what God uh, does uh, with that. Uh, next Sunday is going to be amazing. At this point, we have, I think, six baptisms uh, ready to go. So if you're still interested, still plenty of time uh, for that. Uh, we're going to have some great time of testimonies, sharing what we're thankful for. Um, you know, Thanksgiving isn't Easter. Easter is kind of the natural holiday where people think about coming to church. Um, uh, but we kind of make Thanksgiving like our Easter of the fall um, because... Uh, Honestly, as Christians, followers of Jesus, who have the hope of Jesus, we should be among the most thankful people on the planet. Uh, and so we like to make a big deal about Thanksgiving. So come, bring somebody with you, um, and we'll celebrate uh, next Sunday. It's going to be great. Uh, this Sunday, um, I think, is also special. Uh, we're going to wrap up our rec series in a little bit. But uh, before that, I want to invite a special couple on stage, Nick and Sarah DeQuesto, if you would uh, go ahead and come on up here. You can grab your microphone. Uh, 
uh, on your way up. Um, I just, uh, Nick and Sarah, um, some of you may have heard from Nick before. Nick is, uh, they were actually missionaries for three years uh, down at Danita's Children uh, Orphanage down in Haiti, who we partner with. And uh, this is just a blessing to have you guys here with us on stage. And so such a blessing that I say, you know, I'm going to give a big chunk of my sermon time this morning. Uh, so when you're sitting there watching your watch, don't think, wow, John's going to go for another 40 minutes after. No. Uh, we want to hear from this amazing couple, share some of their story uh, with us, and then we'll come up and we'll wrap up Acts 28. So I'm going to go ahead and sit down and let you guys go for it. All right. Thank you, John. Again, uh, my name is Nick. This is my wife, Sarah. <laughs> we were here a couple weeks ago um, with our whole family, um, but we just were uh, in the Fresno area, and so we just came up uh, today to share and Put some pictures up. Um, before I start talking about the picture, though, I want to share that song uh, Rolly sang this morning, How Great Is Our God. That was the first song that the kids in Haiti taught me in Creole. I play guitar and lead worship as well. And um, so I have incredible memories of sharing that song in the language with the people of Haiti and um, singing that very word, um, How Great Is Our God. And I love what John shared about that because it's incredible how great our God is that he would love us so much to send his son to die for us and love us so much to adopt us into his family. And each of us, he's willing to say, look, I'm willing to adopt you into my family. And um, such a great God we serve. And um, so this morning, uh, my wife and I just wanted to share uh, for maybe 10, 15 minutes just on our story of Haiti and, and how that affected our lives and what God did in that. Um, we actually met your church Discovery in Haiti. We live three hours south of here. We're from the Fresno Clovis area, but we met you guys and met John and um, Garrison and uh, Justin and the rest of you guys who've made the trip down there. We met you guys on the mission field and we learned about your church on the mission field. And um, you guys are an incredible church. I have to say that. Um, I've shared that with every time your mission group has came down to Haiti, but your church has truly found a way to embrace. Uh, the missionaries on the field who are doing the, the long-term work of serving there, and, and you guys come down, and you really, truly have learned how to serve the missionaries, and it's an incredible blessing that you guys show up with these boxes and suitcases of, of gifts for us and for our kids and for the kids at the orphanage, and um, we always feel incredibly uh, privileged and uh, blessed every time Discovery comes down. So um, I want to just, my wife's going to chime in in a minute, I'm going to kind of get the ball rolling here, but... Um, Oh, back up one slide. Back up. There we go. So uh, this is August of 2013. Um, this is uh, my family um, with all of our suitcases behind us. We had 17 pieces of luggage after moving down to uh, Haiti. Moving a family of five is not the easiest thing in the world. Um, but we, after a year of prayer and seeking God, he continued to lay on our hearts to say, come, to say, come. And he continued to say that to us, and we just, we pushed against it, we fought, we didn't know if we were supposed to go or not, but the urge was clear, and the urge of the Spirit continued to push and to push and to push. And funny enough, um, we started out as a short-term mission trip to Haiti in, in 2012, a year before that, and um, I've often heard the arguments of for or against short-term mission trips, and I can stand here today and tell you that I would never have moved down to Haiti and become a long-term missionary with my family and the incredible story that we're going to unfold for you in a minute of what God did in our lives had we not gone on a short-term mission trip. And so after a short-term mission trip and a year of prayer and a year of seeking 
And in that same year, my, my dad passed away from cancer. It was an incredibly difficult year for us as a family before we moved down to Haiti. But this picture represents an incredible mark of victory in our lives because it, there was so much warring against us that even <laughs> to even get to this point. And um, so this represents an incredible move of God, just of moving our family of five down to Haiti and, um, and beginning the work that he was doing through, this, through us. So now you can go to the next slide. Uh, the first thing that we did when we were down there is um, we, were, we were in charge of overseeing short-term mission trip teams like you guys who are coming down, and so I was looking through our pictures this past week and in deciding which one to put up, I decided to throw up the one of one of your guys' teams that you sent down, of Justin and Garrison and the rest, the rest of a the crew there, but um, that was our initial thing, and that's what uh, the founder and director of the orphanage said, I want you to oversee teams, and so we said, okay, we'll oversee the HopeWorks teams, and we'll do that, and we'll serve them, and meals, and, you know, we signed up for a one-year commitment to serve in Haiti, and this is what we started out as, and not less than that, but God did so much more than we could ever imagine. So go ahead and go to the next slide. Well, um, like Nick said, it's just been an incredible journey, and uh, one thing that happened that we were not expecting, and maybe... In my subconscious mommy mind, I was maybe hoping that, you know, God, if you want us to adopt, and there's so many children here, show us which one. And lo and behold, we're there for two weeks, and um, I distinctly remember meeting uh, and seeing our daughter for the very first time, and it was, um, we'd only been there two weeks, and we were on the main property, and I remember looking uh, a ways away and seeing this mom sit underneath a mango tree, and she just looked like just downtrodden. She was just slumped over, and on her lap was this little baby. And that is Chrysla that you see there. That's our daughter that we're almost finished with the adoption. But when I saw her, it was like something happened to my heart, and I knew that I knew that I knew that that little girl was going to be ours. And um, so I remember talking to another missionary saying, what's the story there? What's going on with the mom? And um, she was dying of AIDS, and she was very sick. And so um, at that point, I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to go over. And I introduced myself and just loved on the baby and asked how she was doing. And, and I didn't really, you know, push anything, but she just kept coming back almost every day. I don't even know how she got there. But she would just come, and she would just come and find rest, the mom. Her name was Olivia. She would come and find rest, and she would literally, like, slump over under a tree and ask for someone to hold Chrysla because she just was exhausted. She was so sick. She was at the end, end stages of, of uh, AIDS. So um, uh, when we, we started to really pour into her life, she did, God just really captured our hearts and said, um, you need to take care of her. And so we would go visit her in her house, bring her supplies. She had two older brothers that we would bring food to and um, just bring, uh, you know, formula and diapers, things that are so expensive there in Haiti that she just could not afford. And we just started a relationship with her. And um, come, like, 
late October she was of 2013 she was you could just tell that she was about to die and so we just started to really you know comfort her and at the beginning of November is when she came on a motorcycle Olivia came on a motorcycle it was a Sunday morning early November and her um, her neighbor had brought her and Chrysla was on her lap somehow she had been holding Chrysla on her lap, slumped over on this motorcycle. And I remember, I heard a motorcycle, it was in the middle of church, and I remember walking out there and seeing Chrysla and seeing Lydia and knowing that this is, this is it, this, she's, she's going to die here. I, I don't know if she's going to die right now, but it's, it's happening, it's going to happen really soon. And so I remember grabbing Chrysla and holding her and saying, it's going to be okay and Nick taking Lydia to the hospital. And I just remember thinking, I gotta do something. We have to do something here. This is a little life. She was three months old. And, uh, and she just was very sickly and very malnourished at that point. And so um, I remember going up to Danita with another missionary and saying, can we take her in? And she said, yes. And she looked at me and said, why doesn't she come into your house? And it was like, yes. <laughs> I hadn't even talked to Nick yet. I was like, yes, yes. I was not in the room. <laughs> and he, he, he was in the hospital with Lydia. But it was like something was just like, yes, she is ours. And it was like I claimed her. And I said, she is my daughter at that point, you know. And it was just like this thing of like, I'm, I'm fighting for her, and I'm going to fight for her life. And we took on this child. I, at that point, we did not know what, if she was sick. We didn't know if she had HIV. We did not know anything. But we knew that God was bringing us this child. And so I, I distinctly remember <laughs> coming home after the hospitals, and, and I had Chrysla at the house, and he's like, you know, it's kind of like when you find, like, a, you know, you come home with a puppy or something, and you're like, well, you know. But it, not putting Chrysla in the puppy, you know what I'm saying. Has everybody got that? <laughs> but it was like, you know, I, 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 I looked at Nick, and I said, I, I, we, we need to take care of her. And he said, okay. And it was, it was a beautiful moment. And you know, I'm crying, and the kids are excited, and we have this new baby in our house, and I'm like, we need a crib, we need diapers, we need formula, and just going, you know, full mommy mode of, like, I got to take care of Chrysla, and it was um, at that point where it was, you know, just a thing in my heart that I felt like God had brought her specifically to our family. Um, Fast forward, just to let everybody know, she is HIV-free. She has no sign of AIDS, and that is a miracle all in itself. Um, she had a, a brother that had died. She, her, her mother, Olivia, was pregnant with Chrysla when she had a little boy who was two years old who was brought to Danita's at the beginning, and he, had, he passed away from HIV. Um, and then literally two weeks later, she gave birth to Chrysla. So she was mourning the loss of a child, carrying another child, and wondering if this one was going to be sick as well. But I remember, let me just go, one more thing I wanted to share was, um, 
even when she was about to die, I remember going over to her house. I mean, this was, she had two more days to live, basically. It was at the very end of her life and looking at Lydia and saying, I love your daughter and she's going to be cared for. And it was like, you could see there was peace that she felt knowing that her daughter was going to be cared for. And it was something that, you know, we could take on that, that little thing or the big things in life where, you know, you see something and you, your heart leaps towards it. And that's the Holy Spirit prompting us to do something about something, whether it's a, a life or whatever it is that God puts in front of you. It's the things that you have to be vigilant about and stand up and do something about. And that was what uh, God put in our hearts and our lives and our hands. And that's what we were about at that time. So, um, One thing about that, what my wife shared was that you know, she brought Crystal into the home, and I, you know, was a little unaware of that we were taking Crystal in and all. Um, but it was interesting how God works because, you know, I remember being like, okay, initially, and then I sat down with her like the next morning. I said, I think we need to talk, and <laughs> and saying let's 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 do this for a month and see how things are going, and if things are going okay, then we'll keep moving forward. But you know, I had to give some husbandly instruction <laughs> of some kind, even though God is so much bigger than so many things. But it was interesting, about a month and a half later, and you can pop to the next slide, um, about a month and a half later, I had my father moment. That was Sarah's mom moment, but um, there was my father moment that happened, and uh, Sarah was, the kids were running around the house, and Sarah needed to do something, and she handed Chrysler to me, and she was like, hey, can you watch her for a little bit? I got to go do this. She was just like in the other room, and I set Chrysler down on our bed. It was like a queen-size bed, and I was doing something, getting something out of the dresser, and I turned around, and I'm doing something, and then I heard this, and I turned around, and I looked, and like this fear just like went straight up, and all the, if you don't, if you haven't been to Haiti, everything, any of the houses are, especially on the campus, everything's tile. So incredibly hard, non-forgiving surface. And there was Chrysla laying on the ground doing the silent scream that you've seen babies do before they can actually verbally scream. They do the silent one. That was my moment right there. I looked down at her, and I, I grabbed her, and I picked her up. And, you know, Sarah came in, what happened? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> and I was holding her, and we were just fearful something might have happened. But... Um, I remember just like laying down on the bed and, and she was, it was right before nap time and I laid next to her and it was right there in that moment that God said, Nick, he said, I have placed this child in your hands. Like I need you to care for this child, the father, this child, this child does not have parents. And it was like light bulb because I, was, I wasn't in that place yet and that was God's like father moment in me. Um, and this is about... Uh, month and a half, two months in after we had started feeding her better and she started to get a smile on her face and um, she's still a teeny little thing. <laughs> and then go ahead to the next slide. This is uh, Chrysla now on the right and she is actually here with us in the U.S. Um, we have her here on a medical visa right now. We're about three quarters of the way done with the adoption. It just has to go through legalization in Haiti. But you can see the stark contrast between um, where she was as a really malnourished child to a um, to where she's at now. 
And um, she had developed these seizures, and I think I shared about that last time we were sharing here in this church, but um, we were able to get her out of the country on a medical visa, and we have the seizures more under control at this point. But incredible journey of how you never know what God is up to in your life when you step into the things that he calls you to. And I know John's been doing a sermon on, um, on wrecked, and when I was thinking about that coming up here, I just, you know, like God wrecked my wife and I in a good way. Um, to bring this child into our lives. And he does something in us that, I mean, I honestly pushed against going to Haiti at first as a husband. I didn't think it was wise, didn't think it was good. What if our kids get sick? You know, this, all of our family was like, are you sure you want to do this? It was, you know, people at my work were looking at me like, are you making a wise decision for your family? All these things came up. But we just continued to sense that urge of the Spirit saying, do this, do this. And then taking Crystal in again, and it's all those ways that God wrecks us for the things that he wants to do. And he takes our will, and he cuts it in half, and he said, this is my will for you. And it's so much better. I could tell you now, looking back, like even just over the last three years, how much better God's will is for our lives than, it, than we could have ever planned or thought through. Um, and I want to share this verse out of uh, Job 29. Um, this is another way that God's been wrecking me for quite a while. Um, calling me to this. There, you, most of you have heard or read of the story of Job and all that he lost and all that he went through. But there's a, a part in Job chapter 29 where he recalls the man that he was striving to be and the man that he was. And this is what he said. And it's been for me, it's been a, a, a landmark scripture of looking at and saying, I want to be a man like that. I want to be a Job 29 man. And he says, in uh, Job 29, verse 12, I rescued the poor who cried for help and the fatherless who had none to assist him. The man who was dying blessed me, and I made the widow's heart sing. I put on righteousness as my clothing, and justice was my robe and my turban. I was eyes to the blind and feet to the lame. I was a father to the needy, and I took up the case of the stranger. And um, the thing that God has continually spoken to me over and over again during our last few years in Haiti and is that, you know, he, we see that, we hear that in Scripture, like God's a father to the fatherless. But the incredible thing is, is that he's a father to the fatherless through us. Like we get to participate in that. He's a mother to the motherless through us. Like we're the ones that he chooses to use to step into these incredible callings. And... Um, whether it's to, to mentor a child, to just help a family who's adopting, whatever it is. I know you guys know this is Orphan Sunday. If you don't, this is Orphan Sunday. Um, out of the whole year, they recognize this day as a day when it's like, stop for a minute and take note of the 18 million plus true orphans around the world. There's some 400,000 um, kids in the foster care system in the United States alone. There's incredible amount of children, little children who don't even know right between right and wrong yet, how to live, what to look up to, who are just waiting for someone to step into their lives in some form, some, some fashion, and to give of themselves. And um, I just, I just want to encourage you, especially um, you men out there, just because I can relate to you. Um, God is a father to the fatherless through men like you. It, it, that's how it happens. And we take that step, we jump in, and he meets us right there. So... Um, Next slide. This, uh, when we first moved down there, we had these two wonderful, beautiful young ladies, Namara and Daphne, who lived with us. And um, we 
incredible girls in our lives. We see them like uh, our own daughters, and um, we're continuing to talk with them weekly and pray for them. Um, but that was kind of the first part of our journey. We had just taken two in. Go ahead to the next slide. And, oh, I'll let you share. <laughs> Here I am. Um, for interim part of uh, being down there, um, I was in charge of our baby rescue program just for just a little minute minute. But uh, if you've been down there, you know what the baby rescue program is. It's uh, coming alongside moms, families, dads who have children who are severely malnourished. And um, I mean, we're talking uh, to the point of near death and uh, bringing them back. And one of the things that we do is uh, this program in Haiti, and uh, we partner with uh, a nonprofit down there called uh, Medica Mamba. And it's like a peanut-based uh, supplement that you give the children who are malnourished. So anyways, that was me with one of the babies, and it was just um, for that little portion of the time that I was able to do that, it was just an amazing thing and uh, to see the before and after of just giving the care and the love and simple things that, like clean water and, you know, this little peanut butter pack can do for these children. So it was amazing. Um, go ahead, the next slide. Uh, this is, uh, so what happened, after, like I said, we moved down there for a one-year commitment. Well, God always wrecks our plans and changes our plans. Um, this is us in year two as we'd begun the adoption process, and Danita said, you know what, Our, the lady who has overseen all the women, there's 28 girls at the orphanage, she said, um, I have nowhere to put them, can they move in with you guys at the corner house? <laughs> of course, um, us being the lovely, welcoming people we are, we said, we said uh, no, no, just kidding. We um, let them come in, and it was, it was incredible. Um, and I can honestly tell you that my first year on the mission field was so hard, so hard. I questioned even if we were supposed to be there or not. But years two and three where we took in um, all these girls, um, my life will never be the same because of these girls. They have such a huge place in my heart, and my heart was opened up so much as a father and as a man. And um, the years two and three were incredible because of these young ladies. And then we moved over to the campus. And if those of you that have been there, we were at the first uh, child house on the right. And we had the younger girls all downstairs. And we had the older girls upstairs where we lived. And so this is us on a Sunday morning about 15 minutes before church started, um, just with all them. They got all prettied up. They love to dress up on Sundays. And so God had his own way of of bringing these girls into our lives and of opening us up to what he had. And so after going down as a family of five for a one-year commitment, go ahead, next slide, we came back, and this is us up at Hume Lake uh, just like two months ago. This is um, Chrysla, the five of us plus Chrysla that we shared about, and then Ludridge right in the middle um, between my wife and Anna, of um, who's a college student now at, at Fresno City College. And uh, this is the other thing that God opened up is these, these kids are graduating from high school at the Danita's Children Campus, and they're looking for where to go next. And so Ludridge graduated a year before we even left, and so we put her to work right away because we were homeschooling our kids and said, we're going to pay you to homeschool our little son, Asher. And so she stepped right into a job with our family, which was good. 
But during that year, last year, we helped her apply and get her TOEFL and get her student visa and all this stuff. And, and it was so miraculous in God's timing of the medical visa and the student visa that me and Chrysla and Ludridge and Danita all were able to fly out on the same flight out of Capetian, Haiti. I mean, this stuff doesn't happen in Haiti, like that kind of timing of God bringing all that stuff together. It's so difficult to get visas out of these countries. And, um, and so God turned us from a family of five three years ago to a family of seven, and he just enlarged the borders of our, our lives, our family, enlarged the borders of our tent, um, and I, I could have never guessed what God was doing three, four years ago when we said, hey, let's go on a little short-term mission trip to Haiti in 2012. And um, I know we're going to have an uh, informational meeting after the service today about those of you that are possibly interested in going on a short-term mission trip um, as one of the ways. So I think we're concluded with our story, unless there's anything else you want to share, but I know John's going to talk a little bit about the the meeting and stuff too. So. Yeah, well, I just want to say, I mean, it's always amazing when you have uh, some heroes of faith uh, that are doing it out there uh, standing next to you. And so I'm just so thankful you're here. Why don't we just thank these guys? Um, one of the things that they didn't share about, and I know because we've had a lot of conversations, um, when you first went down to Haiti, I mean, you look very much like many of our families um, as well. Kids in school, uh, all those things. You shared a little bit about, okay, I'll go on the short-term trip. And then, I mean, along with our theme, you shared it too. You know, God kind of wrecked you guys along the way and did a lot of things in your heart. And so, I mean, if you guys, they're going to hang out for a little bit. Um, if you guys want to talk with them at all, I would just uh, love to have you here. We are. Uh, well, let's share because uh, Nick and Sarah have been helping us um, since they've been back in, in Fresno while they're making the transition, have been helping us here in Davis to grow our partnership and to, to do it better. Um, there's some things that I shared we've, we've done well, some things that we can do better uh, in missions. And so they're actually helping us with it. Why not? We have kind of two opportunities for somebody out here might be thinking, like, how can I be a part of or just get more information? One of them you already shared, and that is? Right. The short-term mission trip will be, um, so the next one for Discovery will be the week of spring break of, uh, for Davis up here at the end of March, March uh, 25th through the 31st. And um, we've already locked down the dates for you guys with uh, Danita's Children Campus there in, in northern Haiti. And um, like John said, we're going to have an informational meeting after the service. But um, just kind of to get you thinking, um, even if you have a small, minute bit of interest in your life, like maybe this is something I'm interested in, just invite you to come and, and see if this is maybe an op open door that God has for you. There's a verse in Revelation where he's, Jesus is writing the letters to the churches, and he says, behold, um, there's an open door of opportunity before you. And you know what? You guys, your church has this incredible open door with Haiti. For some reason, God chose to open that door with Haiti in your life by his sovereignty. And um, you guys, each of you that are a part of this church, you have this open door in front of you. And um, I just encourage you, if you, even if you're interested in the slightest bit, just... Um, go down for a week, see what it's like, or even just come to the meeting to see if you want to go down for the week. But uh, I, I can't push enough how important it is for the American church to get into other countries and see what God is doing into these developing countries and to step out and to be a voice for the poor and to be a voice for the orphan and the widow. So. 
Yeah, so if you have any interest at all, right after, well, probably about 10 minutes after, right down in the seats here, just come, come hang out here. We're only going to take probably about 15 minutes uh, to talk a little bit more about what's going on, and if you have any interest, be there. Um, one other, what's that? Okay. Um, uh, one other, you talked about Ludridge, uh, college students uh, that is with you, the fact that many of these kids are... Uh, growing up, we actually have an opportunity here in Discovery to be part of something special. Uh, why don't you tell us what that is? Yeah, so uh, there's another young man by the name of Fritzne. Uh, we call him Uncle Fritzne, at least Chrysler does down there. He's an incredible young man. Um, he grad, is he up there? Oh, there he there is. is. There he is. Uh, so he just graduated this past year and um, just an incredible, incredible young man that God has been opening the doors for him to be able to come to the States. There's only four students that have graduated high school at the Danitas Children Campus and been able to come to school in the United States. And um, he is, everything's being underway. He's getting his passport right now, his student visa. And I know he passed the TOEFL test. And I know that your church has this incredible opportunity to begin to help students like Fritz Ney come. He's looking to come in January. And uh, there's other students too. Like he's not the only one. There's, there's more. There's a class of 12 right behind him. And uh, behind that, there's another class. And it just kind of keeps going. It's just getting bigger. And so um, we have Ludridge and Fresno right now. And I know that you guys are about to welcome Fritzne here. It's an incredible thing. I'm so glad you guys get to be a part of supporting his life. Um, side note that goes along with that, Ludridge is writing a paper in her class right now, and she's researching some statistics on how many kids from Haiti actually finish high school and go to college. The statistics she found is 1% of kids actually graduate high school and go on to post-secondary. I don't know how many from the country of Haiti actually finish college, which is another achievement, but I know that the, the numbers are incredibly, incredibly small, and um, it's something that we can do as a people, as a church, to not only help them when they're in their younger formative years, but also in their young adult years of saying, now, like, let's lift you into that next place, just like we would do for one of our kids. You need an education. You need to get skilled in something so that you can find work and provide for a family and make a difference in your country, so... We're excited, super excited to have another uh, one of Danita's children's kids here in California. Yeah, absolutely. So we can be praying for him um, and then be able to get ready to hopefully welcome him here soon. I know Haiti has elections coming up, and if we think it's wild here, down there it gets pretty wild as well too. So be praying for him um, and just kind of a new uh, dimension of our partnership that we're, we're looking at doing here as a church. So thank you guys so much for being here, for sharing. Um, let's give them one more just kind of uh, thank you as they go. And again, uh, join us for that informational meeting uh, right here. Um, I'm glad that they had the opportunity to share this morning. Um, and so we're not going to have kind of the, the full message to wrap up um, what uh, we've been doing in Acts. We've been, we, we've been talking Acts 27, 28, this Rex series. If you haven't been here, we know it's kind of like, oh, I showed up on the last uh, last day uh, of this year. You can go online. You can listen to it there. Um, God's had us on a journey. 
Um, and that's what Acts 27, 28 is really about, the, the journey of uh, a man, Paul, and a ship full of uh, guys that go through making different decisions, different uh, steps of faith. And um, to, to wrap this up, I, I'm just going to share uh, a couple of the verses and give you just a couple uh, quick uh, points here um, that I think Nick and Sarah's story really wraps into pretty well. Um, Acts 28, um, verses 11 through 13 said this, 11 through 14 says this, after three months, we set sail in a ship that had wintered in the island, a ship of Alexandria with the twin gods as a figurehead. Putting in at Syracuse, we stayed there for three days and from there, we made a circuit and arrived in Regium. And after one day, a south wind sprang up and on the second day, we came to Pudioli. There, we found brothers and were invited to stay with them for seven days and so... We came to Rome. Um, one of the big things in this message we've been looking at is that uh, the story of Acts 27, 28 is the story of real people and real places uh, going through some real stuff in their lives. And, and what I just want to underscore uh, to us totally is that we are still part of God's plan. And we are still being used. We're still going in uh, these different directions. Uh, we see this story. I know it's all right. Um, we, we see this story, and we are part of it. You just heard Nick and Sarah's story, and they were ordinary people. Uh, going through some real stuff, making some real decision. What is the story of your life? Regardless of where you've been, you can right now say those words. And so we came to Rome. And so we came here. What is your story? You know it intimately. When my wife and I got married, maybe you guys like us, uh, on the tables at the reception, we put the places that were important to us. And at that point, it was like four uh, years of relationship, and we had all these places that were so important. And 15 years later, uh, we would put so much more on that. In your story, where has God left you? What are the events of your life? How has he been shaping you? What is he calling you for? You can say where you are today, and so I came here. What is the story God has you on? And where is he leading you forward? Acts 28 is an incredible story. I'm just going to skip to the end of it. See, Paul didn't just arrive at Rome. He was there for a purpose. He was there for a calling that Jesus had given to all his disciples long before in Acts 1 verse 8 where he said, go be my witnesses, empowered by my spirit, beginning in Jerusalem, then Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the world. And Paul was part of that. As Acts 28 comes to an end, what they're talking about is where he has gone and where he is with his calling. And it says there, this, he lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. And if we're looking at what our story is all about, those words sum it up, being witnesses for Jesus, telling not just the story of our life, but the story of how God has led us. Where has God led you from? What does he have for you here? Where is he leading you forward? We are 
continually hearing some of his call in our lives. And it's a constant thing that we're going through. Okay, God, what are you calling to me to now? And I hope and I pray that throughout this series, you've been able to say, God, uh, what is the calling you have on my life? Because I'm a real person in a real place with a real purpose from God. What's he have for you here? How are you doing at fulfilling that? I know it's hard in many ways as we go through each step of this. But one day we will look back. One day we'll look back on the story of our lives. And at the end, what Paul was able to say, because the end of his story is he was actually uh, martyred there in Rome. His story didn't end any easier than it had gone on the shipwreck. I know that's not always comforting for us, but he was looking to his citizenship in heaven, the glory that was to come beyond this earth. Will you at the end of your life be able to look back and say, I completed my call to the fullest. That when God told me to love my family, I gave it my all. That when God told me to make disciples, that I was about that. When God told me to encourage others, did I make that what my life was about? I mean, we're in the midst of storms. We're in the midst of difficulties. But what the whole journey is about is the hope that we have in Christ, the purpose that God has given us as his people in these places to carry his message in word and in action everywhere we go. What is it that God's calling you to? I want to pray for us, and then we're going to end with worship. Lord God, I thank you for the stories. The stories, God, that you revealed to us through your word. God, that we've been able to take these last couple months and just read the story of Paul and those sailors and his shipmates, and in many ways to be able to empathize with the, the lack of faith that they had, the struggles that they had, the, the wind and the waves hitting them. But God, you've had a message for us through it, that you'll carry us through, and that as you carry us, you have a purpose for us. God, I pray that you would take this message and that you would continue to speak to each one of us. God, I thank you for the stories that we've heard through this series, a story like Mike Farias was able to share. A story like Craig Spence was able to share. And a story like Nick and Sarah were able to share this morning. God, we feel so ordinary. We feel so lost in our questions and our doubts. But God, you are leading us. And we give you thanks. We look to you. For our hope, we look to you for our purpose. We look to you for our peace. God, continue to lead us forward. In Jesus' name, amen.